1: with Alex and Fauci. Alex and Fauci. Alex Alex, if I put our jacks in the paint, how you gonna stop me, how you gonna stop me, we can go head to head, call out your top three, call out your top three, look at the switch from Buddy here, now that boy got three, we got Holly Burton running point, this is a Benedict for the shot, if anybody gon' come in the post, then we got Miles Turner Pacer Nation, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Goldman, joining me today for a little bit of a half hour with Rhett Bauer. We've got Rhett Bauer joining us to talk NBA and Pacers basketball. Rhett, what's going on, man?
2: Uh, I'm going to need a second to recover from that pun, but I'm doing well. Otherwise, (laughs) watch the preseason basketball tonight, but uh, not the Pacers, but no, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on.
1: Absolutely. And if you guys haven't already, Uh, Make sure you're following Rhett on social media. Where can they find you on Twitter?
2: Uh, At Rhett underscore Bauer. Uh, I've got something coming out here pretty soon that I'm excited about. So if you're interested in anything I have to say, uh, you can find it there.
1: That is what I wanted to get out in the open before we start off today's podcast, because me and Rhett are going to be talking about some interesting things that were broadcasted to us through Twitter and through articles from one, the GM survey, we did not talk about that on this podcast. So I wanted to make sure that we covered that, but also Bruce Brown's uh, former GM, Calvin Booth of the Denver Nuggets had some interesting comments to say, and Red, I know you have those pulled up. So if you would be so kind and read us what Mr. Booth had to say in the ringer article.
2: Yeah. So the quote that everybody is talking about is where Booth is saying to be careful what you wish for. Um, but I would like to bring up a point earlier than that in the article where uh, Kevin O'Connor, who wrote this, is talking about the losses that the Nuggets faced, and it was Bruce Brown and Jeff Green. And he did say that that blow was big and that that is going to make Michael Malone's job harder in the short term, but it's not about winning back-to-back championships. It's about winning three out of six, three out of seven, four out of eight. So there's a tiny bit more context there. But the main quote is uh, some of these teams were trying to get Bruce, trying to make it worth it. It's like, just be careful what you wish for because Peyton's bigger. He's longer. He's more athletic. He guards better. He passes better. He doesn't have the experience and he's not as good offensively yet, but we need defense more than we need offense on our team. Now (laughs) that is directly at Bruce Brown. I'm, I'm fairly confident. So what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I thought that it was interesting that number 1 he would make a jab at Bruce Brown. I mean, you can't blame Bruce Brown for going out and getting the money that he needs. And we see this every year anytime a role player has a, you know, has a significant role on a championship team, they always get overpaid when it comes to the next offseason. I think there's a long history of that if you look at it or those guys get more valued especially when they're on playoff teams that have a deep run. So To me, it wasn't surprising that there was 20 other teams besides the Denver Nuggets that wanted Bruce Brown. The Pacers just had the cap space to do it. Now, I think this was a little bit of Calvin Booth giving Peyton Watson some love nationally, trying to get him on the radar a little bit, because Peyton Watson was somebody I think me and you both talked about intriguing prospect uh, coming out of college. So it's like, okay, well, we'll see what he can do here. I mean, Denver's done a pretty good job finding some gems in the draft. Jokic, obviously, the first one, but... They've done a good job finding other players that maybe you didn't think were going to be as successful and they had a good uh, stint with the Nuggets. So I think that they've done a good job, but I do think that Bruce Brown getting kind of thrown under the bus here for no reason by Calvin Booth is a little bit unnecessary. And I feel like Bruce Brown's going to circle this article and he's going to remember it when the Pacers played Denver this season.
2: Yeah, I'm looking forward to whoever asks him about it because if – uh you know, there's, there's two ways you can look at it. You can either take the high road and just be like, yeah, you know, like blah, 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 or you can fight honesty with honesty and like, really let, let us know how you felt about it. And so I'm looking forward to see what Bruce has to say about that. But I don't think it's, I don't think Bruce at this point in his career, he's like seven years in or whatever. So I don't think at this point he needs to have like this massive chip on his shoulder. And I don't mm-hmm. think that, uh, that he's coming in here with like a ton to prove, but I, I I don't know. It, it did seem a little bit odd. It's like, okay, you are slamming the guy that helped you win a title in favor of the guy who barely played last year, who you hope is good. Like I like Peyton Watson, but I don't know if that is the right way to go about doing things.
1: No, that's a great point. I mean, you have to look at what the Nuggets have done. They've done a good job of finding players that fit what they're trying to do. And I thought the trade for KCP last year was just a massive upgrade for them to get off Monty Morris, who I'd Didn't hate and who else was Will Barton was Will Barton yeah so I felt like that was a trade that made a lot of sense for them because I thought KCP was really good when the Lakers won the title in the bubble and so it's just like having those kind of players that have been there they know their role they can fit in around Jokic that made a lot of sense and then Bruce Brown he's played on a lot of good teams so far in his career in terms of playing with guys that know how to play basketball really well Kevin Durant uh Nikola Jokic Kyrie Irving so he's been able to kind of mold and be a different player so. I absolutely love what they did last offseason and those players. I mean, KCP still there, but Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, like Jeff Green, I don't know what he's going to do. I think he's with Houston, right? I don't know what he's going to do on that Rockets team. I feel like he's going to be a trade target uh, closer to the trade deadline just because I don't really see his value in, in Houston as much as maybe a team like Denver or something like that. But he got paid. You know, they they drafted Christian Brown, who I thought had a pretty good rookie season last year for them. Talked about how he's going to take Bruce's role this year. They did sign veteran forward, former Indiana Pacer, Justin Holliday for the Denver Nuggets. And I feel like that's a good move as well because I think Justin kind of fits into what they need. Not nearly the same level as a Bruce Brown or a KCP, but I think he can give them some spot minutes here and there. But when you have Jokic, I, I think he just makes everybody around him so much better. It doesn't really matter. But at the same time, you can praise, like you said, Peyton Watson without putting down Bruce Brown. The, the line of saying teams were, uh, be careful what you wish for. Like... Well what are you saying with that because are you saying that Bruce Brown's not a good player by saying that or he's talking about what
2: I think that they were looking I think he was looking at it like okay these these teams were trying to take Bruce from us like trying to hurt them by taking Bruce Brown off of their roster and I think his point is that Peyton Watson could Like that could end up biting all of these teams in the butt if Peyton Watson now has more opportunity and accelerates that growth curve. But I, I don't know. I just, yeah, I mean, he's, he's got, he, he can justify the uh, confidence with which he is talking about his young players right now, because they won the title. Like he, they did it. Uh, So you can, uh, you can definitely back that up and just, you know kiss your ring and go to sleep soundly but i don't think that that's really uh that was really worth putting bruce down if if (laughs) that was his intent maybe it's not we're just reading into it and using it to talk about it for the first couple minutes
1: yeah and i think that anytime gms speak whenever they say things like sometimes the way they intend for it to be said is not how it comes across especially in an article because you can't really tell the tone of voice that came with it so that's kind of at your own uh risk there you're just kind of like saying it to someone who's putting it in words, and then now they're hearing it in their heads and they're reading it how they want to perceive it. So we've talked about this off air a little bit, and you said that you love that Calvin Booth just kind of spoke freely. You like when GMs and presidents, when they speak, they just kind of speak their mind instead of being so business-like, so PR-like. You don't want them to be politically correct when they talk. You want to hear the the raw, honest truth from them to a certain degree and kind of get really how they feel and I, I agree with you for a fan as a listener and entertainment part part of it, but at the same time, when you're talking about players and not praising them, especially when they've been off your team, it just kind of like makes your team look bad. I just think, okay, now are, is this going to impact Denver and recruiting people because if they leave, their GM is going to throw them under the bus. Same with, you know, we talked about it, Masai Ujiri, saying Pascal Siakam was selfish. That's a guy that's their best player on the team. So when they need to resign and extend, and you're calling him selfish? It's just... What are you doing here?
2: Yeah, there's definitely levels to it, right? Like, I think there's there's certain things that you should, like, that I love. Like, even when he goes on there, he's like, hey, you know, we can't have two bad defenders on the team. Like, we had Michael Porter Jr. We had Bones Highland. Can't have both of them <laughs> because that's too much overlap. It's like, hey, you know, like, you could be upset that he said it, but everybody agreed. Like, you know well, that that was the case, so there's it's not definitely a surprise. More,
1: yeah, there was definitely more beef with Bones Highland than I think Bruce Brown, that's for sure. yeah. Yeah, Some of the stories that, that leaked out about that and how that yeah. whole thing went down with him leaving. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But I mean, so there's definitely uh, like, that's just honesty. And, and even Masai talking about Pascal, like it, sometimes I think it's putting a fire under somebody, right? Like maybe that's, maybe he's being genuine. It's like, Hey, either you figured out and you start playing the way that their new head coach wants you to play or don't and we'll figure something else out. So like, I think that that is kind of what it is. And I think these guys are smart enough to know like, okay, they already have, the information they need to be able to say something like that. Like, I don't think they're going to say it just off the top of their head. And uh, kinda, it's kind of like, Oh shoot. I didn't mean to say that. It was like, it wasn't, I wasn't sure it was going to get taken that way. It's like, yes, you were, you knew exactly yes. how it was going to be taken. And yeah. you were, you were very calculated what you say. And that's, that's great. I love it.
1: I think the best way to describe this is unnecessary bulletin board material.
0: There's yes. No,
1: there's no reason to say this. It's not a necessity, but it, it definitely does help if a coach, if I'm Rick Carlisle, that's the first thing I'm putting up in Bruce Brown's locker. You know, be careful what you wish for. We're getting a better player by Bruce leaving. Okay, how are you going to take that, Bruce? It just gives them a little bit of a fire under their belly. And I think you go back to last year, Wally Zerbiak calling out Tyrese Halliburton for being a fake wannabe all-star. Like, yeah, that was totally overblown. Everybody was tired of hearing about it. But what made it interesting? Tyrese Halliburton ate that up. And he went yeah. on a tear after that came out. So you know what? I like when people I- inspire players by making some stupid comments on, on public TV, right? <laughs> National TV. It's like, okay, come out and say more stuff about our guys, because if you're going to do that and it's going to give them an edge and make them play sharper, smarter, better. I have no problem with that. Just don't want any of the Pacers front office or coaches or anybody like that giving any other players that were going up against some bullets of board material
2: <laughs> yeah i i mean we're talking about it i like talking it's it's fun to me but uh yes. i just hope that it doesn't get too serious just because i don't know i don't i don't like when you internalize stuff like that it just it as unnecessary as it was for him to say it it's also like oh you're gonna hold on to this like three years later but right. i hope <laughs> not come on <laughs> we can be yeah, adults we,
1: we can be adults and speaking of adults we had the gm survey so the adults that are running these teams making these decisions in terms of who gets traded who gets you know signed a free agency who gets drafted they did a survey to talk about a lot of different questions that they put on every year and do you remember who actually wrote the GM survey
2: uh I don't off the top of my head but I have it pulled up John Schumann
1: okay that's what I was thinking John Schumann was the name that was coming off the tip of the tongue but I didn't want to be wrong and not give them the right person credit but it is John Schumann so The Pacers were at least mentioned in, I believe, 10 different categories here based on the screenshots that I took from the article that came out last week. So if I missed one, I do apologize. But I'm going to just kind of go question by question here and see what the Pacers got some some love at. So we'll talk about it one at a time, Rhett. So the first one was, what was the most surprising move of the offseason? The Pacers signing Chris Brown, who we just talked about, was tied for fourth with 7% of the votes, obviously. The Drew Holiday, Damian Lillard trade was number one with 43%. And then right underneath that was Marcus Smart, Porzingis trade. And then Chris Paul to Golden State. Bradley Bill, Bruce Brown, I thought being tied for 7% together was interesting. But I don't know why the Bruce Brown thing was so surprising. I don't think it should have been. But I kind of get it, but I kind of don't.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't have thought it would have been up there for the most surprising. I, I would imagine if you're looking at it like, hey, this move as in the player moving and also the contract slash assets given then maybe that would make some sense right because getting Bruce Brown getting that much money was not on anybody's bingo card heading into the offseason but uh I'm also I would not have had the Lillard holiday trade up that high I really wouldn't have because I like if you look at the Bucks team like and you look at Giannis's comments like they were going to do something yeah I would have had the smart Porzingis trade up there I think and Chris Paul and Golden State probably ahead of Damon uh uh, drew as well just because th- those were teams that didn't have to do certain things like i just wouldn't have thought chris paul would be on the warriors i think that's yeah quite, that's, that's that.
1: yeah that is kind of surprising i think that the bradley build of phoenix one's not surprising and i'm, and I'm not surprised that phoenix went yeah. off of chris paul just because he was getting older but i will say the holiday lillard trade was a bit of a surprise only because i felt like dame was going to force his way to to miami his agent really tried to do that and we've heard now that Portland just didn't like the way that his agent handled things. And so that's why he didn't get moved there. Yeah. I just felt like it was like lingering for so long with him going to Miami, only wanting to play with Miami, that it would eventually just happen. So when he did go to Milwaukee, I was like, dang. And I couldn't believe they gave up on Drew Holiday, someone that helped them win a championship just two years ago and was such a pivotal part of that team. And, you know, I don't really know. Like, yeah, I think there's ways you can say it made them a lot better, but I also think that it makes them a little bit more vulnerable come playoff time because who's guarding their best wing player that they're playing? I mean
2: I don't think they actually got better yeah, for the playoffs. But yeah it, that's that's me.
1: Yeah. I mean I don't want to I don't want to discredit Dame because we've never seen Dame play with a guy like Giannis before.
2: Or vice versa.
1: Yeah. And I think that Dame not having to be the number one guy is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Giannis has already won a finals and a finals MVP and put up a 50 <laughs> point game and a closing finals game too so it's like i'll be interested to see how it happened but i will say this boston getting drew holiday to me made me feel like they are the favorites to come out of the eastern conference now even though i did not love the porzingis smart tree
2: yeah uh i think i said it at the time that it went i would have had that that's a great point Drew to the Celtics would definitely have been the most surprising move of the offseason because yeah. without knowing the pre- the the precursor trade of that you would have thought that the Celtics and the Bucks traded which absolutely yeah. would not have happened. <laughs> but uh I think I said it with the when the Porzingis trade came through it was like all right something else is happening cuz there's yeah. no there's just no way they were going to run through with Brogdon and uh and White as their only guards but yeah. yeah it's 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 all good stuff it's exciting to see all of that play through in, in the preseason i'm
1: i know i i'm kind of wondering if the bucks make the drew trade for dame if they knew drew was going to go to boston i don't think they do i think they might say i they would have but i don't think that they think about it now they're like yeah probably shouldn't have done that because mm-hmm. they may have gotten better than boston before boston got drew but now when Boston gets Drew, like, oh, crap.
2: <laughs> the gap between Dame and Drew is not nearly as big as the gap between Drew and Brockton.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I don't think people, Dame's definitely a much more prolific player than Drew. Mm-hmm. Drew doesn't play a style that's super exciting, I guess you could say, in terms of like what fans are looking for. He's not going to drop 50 points a game and just go off like Dame can. But at the same time, Dame ain't guarding anybody.
2: He so. did throw one of the ballsiest alley oops in the history of the NBA, though. So that that's pretty yeah, that is pretty uh pretty exciting. Uh yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody's gonna forget that.
1: Yeah. So Bruce Brown getting seven percent of the votes here. I thought that was interesting for the Pacers to get him. That was viewed by by GMs as like a seven percent vote. That was a little bit surprising to me, but it's cool to see Bruce's name on there. And then we're gonna keep moving forward now. Um, which head coach makes the best in game adjustments? Well, uh, 7% seems to be the theme here for the Indiana Pacers because tied for third place was Rick Carlisle with Nick Nurse at 7%. Above them at number two is Tyron Lue at 30%. And number one, no surprise here, Eric Spolstra, 43%. Thoughts on Rick Carlisle getting some love here for best in-game adjustments?
2: Not really that surprised. Uh, 7% is two out of the 30 votes. So it's okay. like... That, that kind of makes sense. Uh, and you couldn't vote for your own guy as well. So two out of 29 essentially, but, um, I don't think that's a surprise. I was kind of surprised to see Nick nurse in there. Yeah. Um, I would have thought that pop would have gotten, I mean, the guys below, um, Mark Daganall, Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, Quinn Snyder all got at least a vote, But I don't think there's any arguing that it's going to be Spolstra, Spolstra, it's going to be Lou, and then it's everybody else.
1: Yeah, I was maybe surprised Chris Finch didn't get any love here either. Mm. I think he's done a pretty good job coaching, especially with the roster. He's been given the double bigs and trying to make that work. And a lot of people have said they gave Denver the best run last year in terms of the playoffs, what series they were the most competitive in.
2: bigger achievement than what Denver did.
1: Yeah, exactly. Just ask Karl-Anthony Towns, him and Pat. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Pop, I think he's just getting the uh, the love just because he's done it for so long. And Steve Kerr, maybe it was just a little voter's fatigue and people feeling like Kerr is just a product of the talent around him on his roster, maybe a little bit of both. But um, I felt like the Team USA struggled to make adjustments with Kerr as the head coach too. So uh, I was like, man, this bullshit should slide over and take over.
2: <laughs> well, it does <laughs> say uh, Steve Kerr Golden State, not Steve Kerr USA. So maybe true. they just didn't. <laughs>
1: Maybe they didn't see that, but right, yeah, this is the only vote that Rick Carlisle got in terms of any of the coaching stuff too. I thought that he might get more love for like one of the better coaches. That's the one
2: did. you forgot. Was he in Runs there? Runs the best offense.
1: Oh, was he in there?
2: Yep. I think he got, uh, let, me, let me find it. Did he get in there? Did he get like uh, also receiving votes? He... Got uh, two of two of the votes. He was outright fifth. Uh, which head okay. coach runs the best offense? Mike Brown, thirty three percent. Steve Kerr, twenty three. Michael Malone, seventeen. Chris Finch, thirteen. Rick Carlisle, seven. Okay. And I Again, completely disagree with the Mike Brown vote. <laughs> that is yeah, entirely a I, personnel.
1: Yes, that's what I was about to say. Mike Brown's offense, like, okay, they had a fun season last year, but let's pump the brakes. Uh, Mike yeah, Brown's I, a defensive guy. <laughs>
2: Where's my Michael Malone? Uh, Again, I guess you could get into the player side of this, but that just—I saw that I was like, hmm, a little recency bias there. I think
1: I think Rick's probably done the most with the least amount of talent in terms of of, those options. Absolutely, options. Yeah. So, kudos to Rick there. I, I think Rick's a really smart basketball mind, and I think one of the best things about Rick is he allows his assistant coaches to coach as well builds a really strong coaching staff and then just kind of knows how to manage it instead of look at me. I'm the guy overstepping. And I don't think every coach is like that. I think every coach does a good job with their assistants, but it just feels like Carlisle is constantly giving his assistant coaches praise for what they're doing. So that is good to see. Now let's keep it moving here. Which active player will make the best head coach someday? I'm curious if fans would have had any other names on here, but we had two Pacers representing in this one also receiving votes, but not getting in the top five was Tyrese Halliburton. I don't think Halliburton has any desire to coach from what I remember him talking about when like asking about being a head coach before or coaching in his future. He's like, yeah, I don't really think that's in my forte, but tied for fourth, 10%. No, no surprise here. T.J. McConnell. What were your thoughts on that?
2: I was surprised that Garrett Temple was ahead of him. I think that was, that was the biggest surprise, but Chris Paul leading the way with 20% and Mike Conley tied with Garrett Temple with 13%, not surprises at all. Um, I think I'm surprised Chris Paul didn't get more of the votes. Um, Him only getting 20% is, is a surprise, but no, I think that's, I think it's pretty cool. I think TJ McConnell uh, is definitely the right answer for the Pacers, even though Tyrese is incredible. I think looking at uh, where TJ is and kind of, it's, he just seems more of a head coach than what Tyrese does, but maybe I'm just, you know, yeah. being stereotypical. But
1: yeah, some of those other names on here, like Garrett Temple, that does not stuck out to me at all. Someone wanted to be a coach. Uh, Drew Holiday, this is a man that seems like he's ready to retire. I don't feel like he sees any coaching in his future. Fred Van Bleet, maybe a little bit. I don't know. I feel like
2: people that. are just listing point guards at this point. Yes. Like And then Garrett Temple, who's very highly involved with the uh, Players Association, I believe.
1: Yeah, and, and the fact that somebody legitimately wrote Nikola Jokic down for this was hilarious to me. Jokic would rather bet on horses and ride his horse around Serbia than coach NBA basketball. Like, what are we doing here?
2: <laughs> I think I think we'll make the best head coach someday is the phrasing of that. They just completely fair. ignored that and was like, who's the smartest basketball player? Nikola Jokic.
1: Yeah, yeah. no, that's, that's a fair point. I think mean, maybe the wording of it was... Uh, a little bit skewed there. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I think we have more important ones to talk about. So which team is the most fun to watch? No surprise, the Denver Nuggets got the most votes, 30%. NBA champions, Golden State Warriors, 23%. Sacramento Kings, 20%. Light the beam, baby. Phoenix Suns, 7%. I mean, if we're going off of last year, I would say, eh, not really. But if we're looking at this year, then I can kind of see why people are excited. But also receiving uh, votes, we had the Oklahoma City Thunder, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Boston Celtics, and of course, your Indiana Pacers. So kind of interesting to see the Pacers in that mix of teams because if you look at almost all those teams besides probably OKC, you would think these teams all were were playoff hopefuls last year besides Indiana and OKC. So OKC has been the talk of the town. I'm surprised they weren't like number one in this because there's been so much love for OKC in the offseason. But seeing the Pacers get some votes was really cool.
2: Yeah, I uh I'm gonna go back through the the archive of the NBA GM survey and see how many times the Indiana Pacers have been on the most fun to watch list because I imagine that it was probably last year and then like that's it 2012, maybe? Maybe. Like,
1: yeah. Were they even fun uh, to watch then? I, I think don't, everybody that's, hated it, I,
2: I don't know. Yeah, so the Pacers weren't in it last year. So yeah, I'm gonna go through I'll put that on Twitter when it's done. Uh, but no, I think it's cool that the at least the GMs agree that the Pacers are gonna be pretty fun to watch. And again, this isn't the Pacers can't vote for themselves. So somebody out there thinks that the Pacers are gonna be fun. I don't know if I would have voted them over the Warriors Nuggets and probably even Thunder, but it's cool to see them get some get some love and to be listed among these teams who are all Either excellent or drastically improving is is pretty cool to see.
1: Yeah, and, I, and we were talking about the most fun teams, but now we're looking at promising young cores, and this is where OKC just absolutely dominated in this GM survey. Seventy three percent of the thirty general managers voted for OKC as the most promising young core, and like you said, it's really twenty nine GMs because OKC can't vote for themselves. So. You guys do the math on that. I'm not sure how many that is, but Rhett, maybe you can tell me while I'm sitting here talking about this. But the Cleveland Cavaliers came in second at a distant uh, 10%, and then Orlando finished the top three at 7%, also receiving votes. The Detroit Pistons, the Houston Rockets, and your Indiana Pacers. So the Pacers were in the top six for most promising young cores in the NBA. That does feel like a good sign, but Rhett, you have the math for me?
2: Uh, I think it's 22 22, 22 GMs. yeah 22 gms thought uh, OKC was the most promising young core and they're right yeah I don't think I unless it's like a top three situation where everybody gets votes in the top three, kind of like MVP voting. I don't think I would have paid, put the Pacers up here with any of these teams, to be quite honest with you. I'm very high on a lot of the Pacers, but that doesn't have a lot to do with their young core. Cause I feel like there's a lot of unprovenness in there, mm. uh, but absolutely not shocked at all. That OKC got in there with 73%. I'm kind of surprised it's not higher.
1: Yeah. I mean, 22 GMs. Do you think Chad Buchanan, if he was a part of the survey picked OKC?
2: I would, I, I would, I would think so. Like I have a hard time not picking OKC, so I, I don't really know what, <laughs> how anybody else could justify um, not picking OKC. I'm surprised that Cleveland got 41 percent of the votes last year. Yeah, that's a yeah. lot.
1: Well, they had a good playoff run. Did they make the playoffs two years ago? I thought they did. Oh, they missed the play. No,
2: they missed it. Yeah, because that's right. We had, the their pick had their, and their pick. And, yeah,
1: and I think everyone was excited about Garland. Yeah. Uh, Evan Mobley is coming into year yeah. two. Jared Allen made the all-star. Yeah. Isaac Okoro was still a pretty young piece on that team. And then and this was probably
2: done after the Mitchell trade, so they probably yeah. looped Mitchell into the young core, even though he was yeah. 26. So
1: Yeah, makes sense. And I can see why they'd be a little bit interested in him again this year as they continue to develop that roster. But, yeah, I mean, the Pacers getting in this, it's kind of cool. I, I would assume that having Halliburton was the main reason why, because he is – an all-star last year you also have Ben Matherin and Andrew Nimhardt who really stepped up into their roles as rookies last year and maybe they felt like okay these are two guys that could be starters so we have three starters now plus Jarrus Walker they took eighth overall I can kind of see where they're a little bit excited about him but mostly Halliburton I think he just excites a lot of fans and a lot of GMs probably just thinking dang that's a really good point guard so point guard play is huge in the NBA
0: especially in today's NBA but let's
1: keep it moving here now
3: which
1: player is the best passer? Well, if you're looking at the Pacers, obviously. Based on the preseason, you got to go with Buddy Hill. Buddy Hill made the list, right? No, I'm kidding, obviously. Tyrese Halliburton did not make the top three, but he was in the top seven. Uh, top three were Jokic, Doncic, and LeBron James. Jokic was the the runaway here with 67%. Tyrese Halliburton, James Harden, and Chris Paul round out the top six. So not top seven, but top six. Last year, Jokic, 72%. This year only 67%. We think that Halliburton kind of jumped in there and stole some of those percentages.
2: Kind of seems that way, doesn't it? Like teams yeah. can't vote for themselves. So I'm hoping that that was Michael Malone showing love to to uh, Tyrese <laughs> Halliburton despite having Nicole Jokic on his team. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Jokic is is the answer. But I think Luka LeBron being up there is definitely the the right next two if I had to pick.
1: And what's really interesting too is like LeBron James, I think is. 40 years old right now are going to be 40 this year. So um, LeBron is end of his career. Chris Paul at the end of his career. James Harden at the end of his career. Jokic is right in the prime of his. Luka is a little bit still at the young stages of his, and Tyrese is still at the early stages of his. So if you're looking at for the future, if these guys continue to play this way, you're looking at Tyrese, Luka, and Nikola Jokic as the future best passers in the game. Unless there's somebody I'm missing that you think is going to step up and really get involved in this conversation,
2: Andrew Nimhard. Um No, I don't. I don't think. <laughs> else. Yeah, exactly. I don't think there's anybody else. Uh, not to get distracted, but in 2013-14, the Pacers did get a vote for most fun to watch, uh, and they finished first in the Central Division in that year. And I believe they made the Eastern. conference Conference finals finals? yeah Yeah, the year before yeah so we we're we're an exciting team once every like 10 years years, so
1: (laughs) yeah thanks for researching that that's a lot of fun there uh i'm gonna keep it moving here which player is most likely to have a breakout season in 2023 2024 this one had a lot of names there's a lot of players that were given votes for this we're just going to go in order number one anthony edwards 23 number two kate cunningham number uh 20 number three franz wagner Orlando, 13%, tied for fourth. Paulo Boncaro, Orlando, 7%, and tied for fourth. Tyrese Maxey, Philadelphia, 7%. Also receiving votes, Desmond Bain, Mikkel Bridges, Chet Holmgren, Kyrie Irving, which I thought was interesting that Kyrie was on this list, Jade McDaniels, Evan Mobley, Alperin Sengun, Zion Williamson, and Tyrese Halliburton. What in the world is Kyrie Irving doing on this list of young players?
2: I don't know uh that doesn't make a ton of sense to me I'm excited to see my guy Jaden mcDaniels on there yes but I also think that he does not fit among the, this group of players at the <laughs> moment uh you know smash between uh Chet holmgren Evan Mobley, Zion uh miko bridges Desmond bit Bay- like that is a that is an elite group of players that uh yeah. even even the best Jaden mcDaniel fan is like kind of i don't know
1: is it fair to put rookies on a breakout season? Because <laughs> Chet should not have a breakout season if it's his first year. I think you could not agree with any this. of
2: these, honestly. Like, with hardly any of them. Like, Ant, sure. Cade, eh. Franz, sure. Paolo, second year. Like, okay. Maxi, maybe. Bane broke out last year. Yep. Mikhail broke out towards the end of last year. Halliburton broke out last year. Yep. Uh, you know, Mobley, he's kind of already been doing it, but I guess there's another level for him to take. Shingoon, Eh. Zion is he not an MVP candidate? Has he not already gotten MVP like votes for MVP? He He's awesome. Not having a breakout, he,
1: yeah. he had a breakout year like three years ago. Kyrie Irving had a breakout year in twenty sixteen. Like, what are we doing? Say, Seven years later, we're breaking yeah. out again. Like, what are we doing? Give him
2: credit. I don't. Yeah, that's crazy. Ann Edwards definitely deserves to be up there. Cade and Franz happy to see them as well. But even Ann yeah, Edwards weird. probably
1: broke out already too a little bit. I think yeah. breakout should be someone that like. Is not on the radar of people, and then Jaden McDaniels
2: like, might actually yeah, fit that.
1: Yeah, I think he actually makes more sense for it. I was gonna throw someone that, out there like an Andrew Nimhart. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean Breakout that gets into a whole most improved player type voting. Yeah, like John Morant never should have won it, but
1: yeah, it's like oh they improved. We know who they are, but we're just gonna keep adding to it. Like okay, it's just it's just kind of silly. Tyrese Maxey, I feel like there's a lot of like overkill with Tyrese and who he is as a player. Like, yep, I like him. I think Philadelphia is fine, but how far is that team getting with him as a second best player? Uh, is he really that untouchable? I mean, really? I mean, Brian one made the jokes all summer long about we wouldn't trade will Chamberlain on his prime for Terry's maxi. So
2: I don't know. I, I don't get it with maxi as much either. Um, I, I feel like I'm missing something because a lot of very smart people are very high on him and I get it, but I don't, he would not be my vote for the breakout season.
1: Yeah. I mean, if there's somehow that there's this, there's some way that James Harden can break out of Philly, he might be in this conversation too. Yeah. Uh, like
2: a literal breakout. Yeah. Not just a...
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm surprised Ben Simmons didn't make the list either. Um, well, breakout year hey, for Ben Simmons.
2: He fits right in there with Kyrie.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the joke, but oh, let's yes. keep it moving here. Which team made the best overall moves this off season? Tied for first, your Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. At third, Portland, 17%. Los Angeles Lakers, 13% at four. Tied for fifth, the Mavericks and the Rockets. Texas going strong, 7%. Also receiving votes, your Indiana Pacers, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the Phoenix Suns. Thoughts on this?
2: I'm really surprised the Suns aren't up there with how many minimum contracts that they signed that were pretty awesome in my opinion
1: we're sure this isn't just like james mad at the suns for doing what they did
2: Uh, i don't know i I don't know what they did like quote-unquote like what would the accusation be that bradleyville chose them as their trade destination and they decided to pay out the nose to make it happen yeah (laughs) i don't know
1: just like bitter because this new owner comes in and they're just like going crazy with all their spending and Making all these. When you consider moves.
2: the owner who went out the door, I imagine that the other owners are probably okay with this new yeah. guy.
1: <laughs> I'm just playing devil's advocate. I don't know. Oh, I'm just I trying to figure out if maybe some of the GMs are just like a little bit lower because yeah. they were just kind of frustrated with how they got all these minimum guys to come to their like teams that like yeah. uh, Watanabe. Like I'm not saying he's a game changer, but like I'm sure he was uh on a lot of people's list of guys they wanted to pursue. Yeah. So, stuff like that, like crap. Well, of course, yeah. guys like that want to go to Phoenix because they're going to get more playing time and they're going to yeah. get more TV time, and that's going to eat it. Yeah. Like that's the only reason I'm thinking about that.
2: Yeah. I would have had the Washington Wizards probably leading this, in my, in my opinion. I thought
1: they had the best overall moves this offseason. Yes. Yeah. Tell me about it.
2: They're eight years behind on blowing this thing up, and they finally <laughs> decided to do it. I mean, and that just
1: incompetency, <laughs> Though, should we really be rewarding that for finally I mean, doing they, something? They
2: did finally do it, though. It's kind yeah. of the point that I'm making. No, I think uh, I think Boston and Milwaukee are are up there. I don't know how I feel about Milwaukee being tied because I think that they're just get like just getting Dame and bringing in, I guess, Jay Crowder. I I don't know. It was okay. I like Portland being up there because. I think theirs should have like an asterisk like courtesy of the Charlotte Hornets taking Brandon Miller at two, because yeah. uh that that had more to do with their them winning the offseason at anything. Lakers, yeah. I don't really think the Rockets did the best, but I, I don't they made really moves. know. They did, but like I don't know, you paid Jack Landell and Dylan Brooks an insane amount of money, even though it isn't all guaranteed, but still. Well, yeah, I was using Brooks and Landell as reasons that it wasn't oh, so great yeah, because yeah, yeah. I don't like the money they gave them. But then again, we gave Bruce Brown all that money and that's what got us a vote. So yeah. uh yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I imagine that everybody liked the Duarte, Obi Toppin, uh Bilal Kulabali, Jairus Walker set of transactions coming out ahead in most of those. Um and and then obviously Bruce Brown's a good player, so. Yeah. It's neat to see what other GMs value in these sort of things. And I'm hoping there's not like groupthink where people are just like communicating about it and be like, oh yeah, I agree. It's Boston. They didn't come up with it themselves, but it's cool. Yeah.
1: I think the reason the Pacers probably get some votes here, number one, they made their roster better. Habit- Extended
2: Halliburton too. Like obviously that's yeah.
1: massive. That, that's a big one. But I think just like from a GM's perspective, like they added talent around the edges to get better, to take a step forward in their development with this young crew without you know hindering their future flexibility being smart and not giving a lot of money multiple years in advance kind of like a Dylan Brooks move they didn't sign something like a four-year deal or a three-year deal locking up 20 plus million per year on those deals either it's just like okay we got Bruce Brown for one year with a team option like getting him on a team option is huge and then trading for Obi Toppin getting rid of two second round picks and then moving off Duarte when you already have a loaded backcourt like Yeah, and and drafting Jairus Walker, like you said, the whole Bali trade, like that's really smart business just to move back one spot and get extra draft capital. Uh, Getting another first in this year's draft by trading out of last year's picks with Denver. Like just, you know, nothing crazy, but just some really smart basketball moves by the front office to not hinder that future. But I want to keep it moving here. We got a couple more categories to go through. What was the most underrated player acquisition? Number one, Marcus Smart. Memphis, getting him in a trade. Grant Williams, uh, I think it was a sign of trade between Dallas and Boston. It was. So him going there. Dylan Brooks, Bruce Brown, Yusuf Nurkic, Max Drews, Fred Van Vliet, all tied for third with their new homes. And then also receiving votes, you had DeAndre Ayton, Miles Bridges, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Drew Holiday, Tyus Jones, Jordan Poole, Chris Hops Dennis Dennis Schroeder, uh, Sasha – I forget how to say the last name. Vizenkov. Zinkoff, Gabe, Vincent, and then, of course, Obi Toppin. So the Pacers had two representatives here for most underrated acquisitions. Were any of these a bit of surprise to you?
2: What the heck is Miles Bridges doing on this list? Like, it... A Assi- signed qualifying offer for a guy who's going to get suspended for the first however many games, 10 games of the season, probably more now, yeah. and missed the entire last season because of something he did? That is not an underrated player acquisition. I would yeah. like to know who made that vote. Um, but regardless, uh, yeah, I like I like Bruce Brown getting that much attention, but I don't agree with the people he's with, like Yusuf Nurkic and... Max Struess for Cleveland. Like, I don't think those are underrated. I don't think Nurkic is underrated in this equation at all. Max Struess, maybe, but it's just interesting to see what people seem to like. The Tyus Jones one. Yeah, sure. Uh, Jordan Poole. I don't think that was an acquisition in the sense of like, okay, we, we went out and chose this guy. It's like, oh, well, no, you kind of, you didn't have a ton of options once you took on CP. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe they did. I don't know. But yeah. Vizinkov is underrated, I guess, from the idea that like nobody probably knew about the transaction, yeah. so like that had the least amount of attention. I would, I would imagine. But no, it's an interesting list of players. But uh, seeing the Pacers have two guys on there is pretty sweet.
1: Yeah, it's kind of all over the place. I thought Dylan Brooks being up that high, I don't really think he's an underrated player. I think he's no like properly rated, even though I know you hate him. I do think that he does have good basketball in him. Obviously, you saw that. With Team Canada, he played decent in FIBA. He did get ejected after like two plays in (laughs) to the Pacers (laughs) preseason game for tapping Daniel Tice. So, you know, I I don't know what's going on there. But I do think that it's an interesting list as well. Marcus Smart going to Memphis. I actually like that fit a lot, Red.
2: Yeah, it's it's all right. I think uh, it's pretty necessary with the jaw suspension. And I believe at the time that they made the move that it wasn't even rock solid that it was a set 25 games. So there there was some uncertainty there. So in that way, I think it's a great move. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they all fit once Jai is back. Yeah. I think they're going to be small and, uh, but that's a, that's a lot of ball movers. That's a lot of toughness and all that, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. Grant Williams being up that high is pretty, pretty interesting as well. Um, I liked it, but, wouldn't have thought it would be the most underrated.
1: Yeah, we knew there wasn't a lot of options for Grant either. A lot of teams didn't have cap space, and they knew they were going to have to facilitate a sign-and-trade. So Dallas was just desperate to make moves. They, they really had to add some talent, and we'll see what happens with Dallas. I know that they've been talking a lot about their lineups and what they want to see out there, but the thought of them playing two rookies in their starting five was a little bit problematic to me. In terms of this team trying to be a playoff team, I think OMP ended up getting pulled from that lineup so that was probably the right move for them to to go put him off the bench just because I feel like intriguing prospect, but he was a 24th pick for a reason in this draft. I don't think he's ready to start games yet. I think that, yeah, he might be your DFS replacement in four years, but maybe maybe three, but like, let's just not put the cart before the horse with these young guys.
2: Yeah, uh, especially with Josh Green playing very, very well. Mm -hmm. and doing a good amount of the things that I feel like you would want from players around Luca and Kyrie. Uh, I did not understand that at all, but last category, Alex, what do we got?
1: Which team will be most improved in 2023, 2024? OKC number one, Houston number two, tied for third, Dallas, Detroit and Orlando also receiving votes. You got Golden State, the Lakers, the Pelicans, the Jazz and your Pacers.
2: The Jazz should not be on this list. They were the like most improved last year, I feel yeah, like, they're and on didn't the now. Yeah, didn't make a ton of moves to like really boost their chances. Detroit Pistons should not be above the Pacers in this either. Um because the Pistons got a lot of younger talent while the Pacers are bringing back all of their older talent. Like I don't yeah. think that that's uh indicative of what the season is going to play out. I like the OKC call out um, and Houston being up there. Obviously, going from atrocious to giving Thompson. Fred VanVleet the max and a bunch of other vets a, a good amount of money, and then getting him in Thompson, um, and then Dallas. I think I, maybe technically they'll be one of the most improved, but they also went from trying to not trying. So I don't know how to how yeah. to how to balance that out. But were any names surprising to you?
1: I, I don't really get Dallas. I. To me, they're a team that's still in the play-in conversation, and they'll be lucky to make the playoffs this year. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if they finish eleventh once again. I think the West is so loaded; they're going to need a ton of good basketball out of Luka and Kyrie, and then Grant Williams fitting in with that Dwight Powell, Maxi Kleba. Like they've got the same kind of rotation of guys they had last year. They did add like Rashawn Holmes. They brought an OMP. They got Derek Lively. Like yeah, they've got some interesting players on the roster but at the same time I just don't love that team overall I think that going into last year I was a little bit more bullish on them because they had just had a really impressive west conference finals run but then they go from that to not making the playoffs with Jason Kidd kind of feels like Jason Kidd is a guy that kind of wears his welcome pretty quick in the stints that he's had so I don't envision Dallas being that much improved Golden State I mean they really didn't do much. I mean, they they traded Poole, who had obvious problems with Draymond Green, for everything that went down for a veteran and like Chris Paul. So
2: that could yeah. just be health related more than anything. But yeah. I, yeah, I don't really know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like the Lakers. I think they made some really smart moves this offseason in terms of finding the right pieces to surround them. But they just made the finals, like the West Finals. So how much more improved are they going to be than the West Finals? Are they going to be a NBA Finals contender? Uh, maybe. I think there's a chance there, but you got to remember LeBron's forty. Uh, the Pelicans, what moves did they really make? Feels like they're just. I think that's just Knicks. getting
2: Zion back.
1: Yeah, but can you count on that? I don't think so. Like at least with the Pacers, two. like you had a top eight lottery pick, you brought in an NBA champion and Bruce Brown, you bring in a a young another another top ten lottery pick that really just was behind a Julius Randle and an Obi Top, and it's just like okay. At least they made more moves that made sense in terms of like trying to get better and helping improve because we won 35 games last year. So we have a lot of room to go. And I guess that's the only case you can make for a team like Detroit and Orlando. It's like, okay, they were so bad last year that the only thing they can do is improve. <laughs>
2: so, right, exactly.
1: If they regress, that's problematic. So, nothing like over the top crazy to me, but glad to see the Pacers mentioned in a lot of these different categories. But it seems like it was specifically around. Halliburton, the offseason moves, and Carlisle. Nothing else really.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think that uh they should have gotten a little bit more attention on that than they did. But hey, you know, they'll at this looking at this, they'll probably be on the list for next year after yeah. they improve this year. So
1: Yeah. And then Zach Lowe, I think, had them twelfth overall in his uh NBA power rankings or NBA TV. What is what a League Pass Power Rankings, excuse league me. League pass, yep. It is getting late, ladies and gentlemen. I'm losing train of thought here. But it, it's, a, it's a lot of exciting things going on with the pace. There's a lot of buzz around this team this year. And I think fans are eager for this team to get back into the playoffs, right? And I feel like I've seen some expectations that seem a little bit out of the wazoo from fans on Twitter. Anywhere near close to 50 wins, I think you should just pump the brakes on that. Uh, I think if you told me that it would be between the 40 and the 45 range, I would be okay with that. I just don't think this team is going to be much better than 500. I think right around the 500, maybe a game or two above is best case scenario for this Pacers roster.
2: Yeah, I think 45 is like a realistic it's a realistic ceiling but I think that they'll be like right around there.
3: Yeah. Um
2: between 45 and 42, but there's also a chance that it's higher than that if they decide to be aggressive at some point because then yeah. I don't know how many games there are after the trade deadline, but I imagine it's probably close to 25 ish, and so that's a pretty big chunk of time. So mm. if there's if there's big uh, if there's big moves, then maybe I can see really really jumping into that. But
1: is there a team you're keeping an eye on to see how they perform if the Pacers make a move like that?
2: Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean Toronto is leading the way there. I think. Uh, chicago maybe i don't know exactly what that would look like yeah but um toronto chicago um i can't there, there was one more there's one more that i was looking at but i'm not i'm not going to think of it and i'm not going to sit here and, and make you listen to silence while i try to I like so. yeah th- that was i think that was probably the other one brandon ingram before he hits yeah. free agency.
1: But, yeah, here's what I'll say. Like, a lot of people have been like, oh, I don't want to trade for Pascal Siakam. He's on an expiring contract. And it just makes her a little bit nervous. Well, here's what I'll tell you. Look at the way that Obi Toppin and Jairus Walker played the preseason. And I'm just telling you, whether you think Pascal's contract situation is a little bit of a problem at the end of the day, in my personal opinion, Pascal is light years ahead of them in terms of as, as a talent. Not a knock on Jairus or Obi Toppin. Um, You don't make the trade for Pascal unless you know he's going to resign, obviously, or at least has extreme intentions of resigning. But just getting a guy like Pascal with this roster could be a very fun uh, added element to this team, I think, even though OG has been the more popular name. There's a reason why the Pacers were linked to Pascal Siakam back in the summer when his name started floating around, because I think he drastically improves the power forward spot.
2: Yeah. I think Pascal Siakam is an unrealistic expectation for Jairus Walker. Like that is one of the highest end outcomes I think that you could possibly expect from Jairus as, yeah. as a player. So go get that guy. Like just go, go do it. Like you've got, you've got Tyrese Halliburton. He's very, very good. He's under contract for a while, but you also have so much flexibility right now that I think it's time to capitalize, but we will see what happens. Yeah,
1: I think that if you just think about a rotation that involves if you're able to keep him, Ben Matherin, Tyrese Halliburton, Andrew Nimhard, Bruce Brown, uh, Pascal Siakam, Miles Turner, that's a pretty darn tough six.
2: I think you'd have to send Bruce for salary reasons, but yeah. regardless, yeah, you could regardless, do doesn't matter. <laughs> Halliburton, and Matherin, Siakam, right? Turner. Yeah, that's that's pretty good.
1: Pretty good. And you're only going to get better. I think with that group together, playing more together. So yeah, just throwing that out there. So with that being said, I think it's going to be a fun time, but Rhett, anything else you want to plug before we, uh, before we sign off here, if you want to replug yourself, that'd be great too.
2: Yeah, no, I'm good. Just follow me on Twitter at Rhett underscore Check out uh, Pacers thoughts, fantasy basketball thoughts, and uh, anything else that comes to mind that is always running.
1: Awesome stuff. And guys, I will not be on tomorrow's episode. Fachi will be doing that one solo with Key Smith of spot track i think you guys are going to enjoy that conversation keith and bachi have a good chemistry together as i do podcasts often without me so make sure you guys tune in for that one and then me and bachi will be back later on thursday with jake fisher of yahoo sports so with that being said everybody hope you all have a great rest of your day and let's go paces. setting the pace going to the top setting the pace going to the top this is your number one
2: podcast sweeping every team we gonna need a mop smooth Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time tested gift around a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers,